episode 37 of the only english language podcast um all about brazilian football i am your host peter joined as always by your other host enric enric this is the day we were waiting for last weekend was the thing that we had been looking forward to uh from the day that the brasileirao shut down uh uh last year and opening day did not disappoint. We had some great results. We had some goals. We had some uh, managerial firing, uh, but uh, overall, great opening day. Um, so, um, how did you how did you enjoy watching uh, watching the opening weekend of, of the Brasileirao twenty twenty three? Hey Peter, it's always good talking to you about Brasileiro, and of course, with the start of the week one, it was a wonderful experience. I didn't really have time to watch all the matches, but whenever I found time, it was really amazing to go through and then enjoy whatever we were left on five months ago, which seems like a long time. But of course, we had other leagues and other games taking place throughout all this time interval. So it was good to see the teams compete to the best league, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And and there's already chaos. There's already... Um, all sorts of great storylines that we followed uh, from the state leagues into the main event of the Brasileirao. Um, so let's go over uh, some of the Brasileirao games, um, and then we'll touch on the Libertadores games as well. We also have um, going to be joined uh, by a special guest, Pete from Glorious Botafogo. Uh, we talked to him earlier this week, and uh, we're going to bring in that interview to talk about Botafogo versus Sao Paulo. Um we will probably be releasing the extended interview uh, um, where we talk about everything from Botafogo's um, uh, with their sit- current situation, um, of course, the game versus Sao Paulo, and even a possible transfer for Hamas Rodriguez, um, the one-time um, player of the tournament, I believe, um, at least the goal of the tournament, uh, 2014 uh, in Brazil for the World Cup. Uh, but before we get to all that, Enric, let's go ahead and start um, with the Brasileirao Serie A, uh, the round one, Palmeiras and Cuiabá, the champions. Uh, keep on rolling. Andriki, uh, fifth goal minute, um, or fifth minute goal, fifth minute goal um, uh, in their 2-1 win over Cuiabá. Uh, did Cuiabá stand much of a chance? Uh, what's your read on this game? Well, I thought that coming into this match, it was the first match of the Campeonato Brasileiro. Uh, I thought that it was going to be a much convincing performance by Palmeiras. Of course, they got the first goal with Enrique, who, let's not forget about weeks ago, we were mentioning him, uh, the lack of scoring for Palmeiras. And then he came back, scored for Agu- against Aguasanda in both matches. And then now here, this is... Uh, the first goal of Campeonato Brasileiro 2023. So it's really amazing to see him achieve that. But other than that, um, when Cuiabá scored, you had that feeling that Palmeiras should have taken the, gotten the job done uh, a long time ago, maybe get a second goal in that first half and then set a point not only to their opponents, but also to their direct rivals for this uh, Campeonato Brasileiro. So a 2-1 result is not bad because they got the three points home anyways. But still, in my opinion, Palmeiras should have done better, uh, get two, three, or why not four goals in this match? Yeah, a team that uh, we we had, I think, both having getting relegated in our predictions episode, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, uh, it's episode 36, all our predictions about the Brasileirao. But Cuiabá we have is going down and... Um, and Palmeiras just uh just the two one victory as well as Cuiabá getting a red card so they're up a man. Flaco Lopez chipping in that winning goal. Um, from there let's uh let's glide on over to uh what who we had uh, finishing number two Fluminense. No surprise here, much more convincing win over America. 
uh, Herman Cano, of course, on the score sheet, uh, followed by John Kennedy and new signing Lele uh, chips in as well. Um, any thoughts on this one? Uh, pretty straightforward for Fernando Diniz and his men, right? Well, the scoreline makes you think that the Fluminense had a pretty convincing game, but same similarly as Palmeiras, uh, I don't think it was a good start from them because in the first half they suffered a little bit from America and there were chances when America could have taken the lead and scored the first goal or maybe two, but uh, it didn't happen this way because, uh, of course, Fluminense have a very good keeper and all they, they needed is a, a goal from Herman Cano in the 52nd and within the next 20 minutes, you would see a 3-0, which is typical Fluminense toying around with your opponent uh, throughout the match and then getting the job done whenever needed. So cool to see them uh, win this game. Of course, they played away, so maybe that made things a little harder, but uh, maybe a goal in the first half would have been more convincing from the second team pr prediction for our side. Got it. Yeah, they it took a little bit of... Uh of willpower to get those wheels moving but um but in the end they do have a, a victory that that looks pretty good on paper um and the three points they will certainly take um let's move on over to a red bull braganchino uh getting the 2-1 win over bahia another team that we had down in that relegation zone i believe um braganchino losing uh their star striker on tour to the uh reigning champs palmeras they brought in Eduardo Sasha, and I think I was a little bit down on him in our predictions episode. And we'll get to his um, uh, his continental performance, but he chips in a goal here uh, in his first goal for Red Bull Bragancino. Um, Any notes on this one? Well, another match that were two teams, maybe teams that we predicted going down, uh, came against each other with Bahia getting the first goal in the 45th, right before the uh second half started but then uh coming into the second half i was watching the game live and i was really amazed to see rebel bragancino not only attack but create really dangerous chances and not letting bahia breathe and didn't take long um uh nine minutes into the second half bruninho got the equalizer uh, i think it was a very good goal scored by him he got past um two or three defenders and also got past the keeper which was cool to see sort of like that messy move whenever he used to toy around with their opponents uh 10 years ago so that was a beautiful goal and eduardo sasha another player uh getting the second player who played for santos i'm really glad to see him score because uh when i see him it reminds me of like Timo Werner playing for Chelsea with mm. such a huge talent but missing very important matches and then that's what happened when he used to play for Atletico Mineiro or Santos so coming to Rebel Bragancino maybe it's going to be a turning point for his career and hopefully we see more goals from him soon yeah yeah I, I really liked like you said yeah he was a starter for Santos at one point and, and left over some wage disputes to uh to follow Everson, um, Everson, excuse me, to to Atletico uh, Monero. Um decent player, but yeah, I was down on him, and he's he's uh, he's proven me wrong. So let's hope he continues. And I like I like the Timo Werner uh, comparison as well, just because now they're both wearing more or less the same uniform, right? The Red Bull uniform is pretty standard across uh, across the world. So uh, nice comparison there. Uh, Red Bull Bragancino again, one of those teams. I think we have kind of under underachieving, uh, right above that relegation zone, and um, they're off to a good start. So three points for them. You'd hope and expect them to do that uh, against a team like Bahia, and uh, you'd also hope and expect Atletico Paranaense to win their match against Goyas, uh, which they did two nil, uh, comprehensive victory. Um, Pedro Henrique and Christian scoring the two goals. Uh, pretty straightforward, in my opinion. And, and this is a team that I think we both have finishing pretty well this season. Uh, what did you see in this one? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, this was a pretty convincing uh, match for Atletico Paranaense. Uh, of course, we think that they're going to do great this season. And they have a really good player, uh, Vitor Roque. And the other side, uh, Goyas, we thought Pedro Raul 
that just explains to you how their season is going to continue and end probably with not many goals scored, as we've seen in this match, uh, zero in this case. And probably this is going to be the story throughout the rest of uh, the year for this team, unfortunately, as we predicted them going down. So I'm very happy to see Atletico Paranaense get the points. But on the other side, Goyash needed to use their chances and maybe get one in their side. Definitely. All right. So, so far, I think our predictions have been pretty good, feeling pretty vindicated. And honestly, this next result here, uh, which I know you'll, you're, you'll go a little bit deeper on. Um, I'm feeling good about our predictions about Inter as well. We both had them taking steps back from their second, second place finish last, uh, last year. Um, and they got the draw uh, away from home, granted, uh, in a hostile environment um, at the Castellao. Uh, Fortaleza won, Internacional won. Um, uh, did they look convincing and just, you know, end up with a just the one point? Or were the teams pretty evenly matched? Well, I think in this case, of course, Internacional, you would see them as a better team, uh, as a title con- contender. Although we don't have them finishing too much up the table. Still, Fortaleza, in my opinion, had the home team advantage. So they could have easily won that. But both teams were capable of winning this game when you look at the chances that they had. So each of them created dangerous uh, chances, especially near the end of the first half. uh, With the home side coming really close with two players near the left post. And minutes later with Internacional shooting just above the crossbar. In the 54th minute, Wanderson gave Inter the lead after a really cool finesse shot that ended up in the net. But it didn't really take long for Fortaleza to respond because just two minutes later, they were able to equalize and Moises uh, scored the goal. And in my opinion, from that play, Inter players failed to clear the ball from the box. It was a really poor goalkeeping uh, save from John, who not only he punched the ball dangerously, but also rushed towards the ball and something that gave Fortaleza players the ability to take their chances and equalize. But after the goal, um, I would say John deserves man of the match because he saved Internacional with after the next 30 minutes because Fortaleza created so many chances and they were not able to find the winner and also, I wanted to mention that this wasn't Alemão's day because he also missed many opportunities that could have given the wayside the win. Yeah, and just looking at the statistics here, more or less even position, uh, or possession, excuse me. But like you said, Fortaleza really applied a lot of pressure at home as you'd expect. Uh, oh, the, the They had the same amount of shots on target, which was six, but Fortaleza more than doubled the shots total taken 24 shots for them 11 for inter so you can see the kind of flows ebbs and flows of the game and the the chances that fortaleza were were trying to create john making some nice saves and uh the uh, the fortaleza excuse me the inter defense um doing doing enough to to keep them out of the net a second time so so far so good i think on our picks enric Let's move it on over to uh, one of the most exciting first halves that I've seen in a while. We've got Atletico Monero versus Vasco da Gama. Uh, two really great historic teams uh, with loaded with talent. Um, and Vasco da Gama getting the away win. Um, 2-1 over Gallo. What did you see in this one, Nenerk? Well, it was a really surprising start with Andres Santos uh, scoring that first goal in the fifth minute, something that I definitely did not see coming. I thought coming to this match, uh, Tereco Mineiro would get the job done in the first half and possibly win there. But five minutes later, Gabriel Peck get a second goal, and that's even more frustrating for Gallas, who are playing home and not only... They don't have a goal scored, but they concede two in the first half or the first 10 minutes. So really shocking to see them end up like that. I think their defense didn't look good or promising at all. Uh, Going into attack, uh, Hulk and his teammates couldn't get the job done because Vasco da Gama was really doing good, in my opinion, when it comes to goal scoring opportunities. 
Yeah, and and just to, and Gabriel Peck was all over them in that first opening uh, blitz, really by by Vasco. He had the assist from the free kick that led to Andre Santos's goal. Um, he scored the second goal after uh, Puma Rodriguez's uh, corner. Um, and then he had a third chance that was just saved by Everson. So they were all over uh, um, Atletico in, in the first half. And Gabriel Peck looking really, really good so far this season. Yeah, 100%. And of course, when you score two goals, all you got to do is just defend. And it seemed like they were defending for too long, but it really helped them because the goal that Atletico Mineiro scored in the 45th with Lemos was fortunately for the wayside, the only goal in that match. And that meant that Vasco would take the three points home. And I don't think what was happening with Galos, maybe if they did not score that goal in the first half, they would have come back to the second with more urgency and desire to win. But just because they got that goal, they played a little relaxed. And the more time was passing by, the harder it was for them to at least equalize. And that goal never came up for Galos to get the equalizer. So unfortunately, they're going to start their Brasileiro with zero points. And unless, uh, uh, unlike our predictions uh it seems like this is going to be a repetition to last season when they were suffering a lot within the last 15 or 20 weeks of the Brasileiro yeah I 100% agree the urgency wasn't there up until the last moment you, you mentioned Mauricio Lemos uh the defender um having the 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 late first half goal uh he actually had that that last minute header bullet header point blank almost on Leo Jardim, um, and that was stopped as well. And like you were saying, they didn't have the urgency, and it's kind of a problem when your goal, your only goal of the match and your best opportunity of the match are both created by a defender. Something's not right there. So Gallo have some things to uh, figure out. Um, also just want to mention uh, Mauricio Barbieri uh, is going to be watching the second game of the season uh, from the stands, presumably. Uh, he got a red card in the first half. Um, and then we've really got to shout out Lair Jardim, Vasco goalkeeper, made 10 stops, um, including that last minute uh, effort to stop Mauricio Lemos. Um, really nice save from him. Uh, had a great game. And um, just looking over the uh, the sofa score ratings right here, he tied with Gabriel Peck for man of the match, 8.6 rating. So really, really nice rating from him uh, and a quality keeper. Uh, for Vasco da Gama. So three points in the pocket away from home for Vasco. Feeling good about that. We definitely had Atletico finishing higher than them, but Vasco, I think we both agreed uh, they're going to are gonna have a good season. Um, on to another Rio team, Flamengo, doing what they do. Coritiba um, getting mauled by Flamengo, three to nil. Um, Flamengo... Uh, Managerless this match. Actually, they had an interim manager, but the big news just about as soon as we clicked end uh, on the podcast last week, when we talked about uh, their firing of Vitor Pereira, we saw the tweet come across and Jorge Sampaioli was hired. Uh, didn't manage this game, but uh, he has since managed Flamengo for their first uh, win. And a lot of excitement against Sampaioli, about Sampaioli. He's had success before, of course, in the Brasileirao, uh, Santos, and, of course, Atletico Monero. Um, Really nice coach. And, Enric, before we just kind of um, go through the Flamengo goals here, uh, any thoughts on Jorge Sampaioli joining Flamengo? I think he's a good coach, and we talked about him uh, last season uh, when he could have potentially joined Santos and I, I know that you're a really big fan of him and we he would have definitely helped us as he did a couple of years ago but now it's time for him to work with the Rio de Janeiro team and if he does what he needs to do he's for sure gonna bring some important titles for Flamengo as Dorival Jr. did last season yeah definitely um, although one thing you got to say with Sampioli been a through line throughout his career he does not leave on a quiet note so uh flamengo fans expect maybe one or two great seasons and then that third season 
kind of like they say about Jose Mourinho, uh, might get a little chippy. But uh, for this one, Flamengo, uh, like I said, the 3-0 victory. Ayrton Lucas, uh, Gabby Goal, living back up to his name, scoring the pen. And Pedro, um, this also, this match led to um, a manager firing. Antonio Oliveira uh, gets sacked after this match. Um, we'll get to it later, but this is already the sixth. Um, so we already have six firings for uh, Brazilian managers already. Um, some will come after the Libertadores matches uh, midweek, but Antonio Oliveira already bites the dust. So Coritiba bringing in that new manager, Antonio Carlos Zago, formerly of Bolivar, um, Brazilian player and uh, now manager. So uh, another new coach um, in the Brasileirao uh, to keep an eye on. Enric, any other thoughts uh, before we move on? No, I just have to add that I was really happy with Flamengo's win. Uh, Arturn Lucas, who has been scoring for them recently in Campeonato Carioca, now gets the first goal for Flamengo this season. So I'm really glad to see him. And I think that was a very beautiful goal shot very far and ended up going into the net. Coritiba goalkeeper couldn't do anything to prevent that. And even their strikers, including Aleph Manga, were not able to find any goal for Coritiba, which just lets you know how good Flamengo is, especially when playing home and looking at their defeats that they've had lately. I don't think they're going to let any team... Uh, in the terms of Coritiba come and stop them from what from reaching their goals this season. All right. So from the biggest team in the nation, Flamengo, to the second, Corinthians also get the win uh, against Cruzeiro, 2-1. to one. Uh, Really uh, interesting game. Uh, Cruzeiro's first Serie A match since the fateful 2019 season where they did get relegated. Uh, for the first time in their history. Um, also on, uh, on Corinthians' side, uh, Christian Barletta making his Serie A debut, of course, the star for Sal Bernardo in the Paulista. And uh, it took a long, long time for Corinthians to get going. Um, both teams not really taking lots of risk um, and, and allowing themselves to get stretched for that goal. Uh, the 68th minute, um, is when that goal would finally fall for Corinthians. And it's the youngster, Mateos Arujo, um, getting the goal after a really nice play started by Fagner. Nice give and go with Fausto Vera allows uh, Mateos Arujo to break into the box and slot the goal home. Uh, everyone very, very excited about this kid. And he was very, very excited to get that goal. Um, uh, Yuri Alberto had a chance minutes later, but you know, it's, it's, uh, he's having a interesting start to the season. Um, lots of chances, not a lot of goals going into the net. A lot of strikers, they say can be streaky. Yuri Alberto is definitely one of them. Um, and he can't buy a goal right now, but his point blank header is stopped by uh, Rafael, um, who of course were obligated to say one Libertadores with Santos in 2011. Uh, is back in Brazil with Cruzeiro, uh, started last year, and, and he's in the Serie A, making some nice saves in this game. Uh, but it wouldn't matter because Hajagreds would add a nice little back post tap um, to uh, to double the lead to 2-0. Uh, Lucas Oliveira getting a consolation goal late, late, late uh, into the uh, the 90th minute. But um, Corinthians looking good, looking better than Cruzeiro. Um, and, um, we'll get to it a bit later, but, um, Fernando Lazaro's last win as Corinthians was, was, was this game. So, uh, Enric Lott there, uh, feel free to comment on any of that, um, or generally about, uh, Corinthians and Cruzeiro. Yeah. Um, uh, coming into this match, uh, if I only watched that, those last rounds of Serie B from Cruzeiro last year, I would say that Cruzeiro would have at least gotten a point. But we both know how they didn't really perform in the state league. And the same happened here against Corinthians. Uh, it's probably a difficult stadium to play in. And Corinthians really worked hard for the win. They got two goals, although the goals came a little late, uh, near the last 22 minutes of the match still. It was a 2-0 result until Lucas Oliveira scored and gave Cruzeiro the hope to potentially equalize because they had four minutes left. So 
not so good uh, from a Corinthians point of view because they had to really defend and make sure that they're not going to disappoint their fans from a 2-0 lead to a 2-2 draw. But they got the job done and good for them. They have the three points in the first uh, in the first week of Brasileiro. But Cruzeiro, as we predicted, they're probably one of the teams that is going to suffer and maybe even go down to second division again next year. Yeah, definitely. And we said it before, but their roster, when you just look at, at the names that they have on, on, on the paper versus Corinthians, I mean, it's, it's, you really can't really compare them, the depth, even the starting 11. So Cruzeiro could be in for some trouble. Um, and, but that's, you know, that's nothing that uh, we didn't foresee. All right. Uh, second to last match that we're going to talk about Gremio and Santos. Of course, Santos close to both of our hearts. Uh, they don't get the win uh, away from home. Gremio uh, get the win uh, in their first match of the season. Um, Enric, were you confident going into this one? I know Gremio, we had really doing some big things uh, in our prediction episode this season. And um, though they didn't look all that convincing, and Santos actually played very well, um, as we were texting about. Um, Gremio did end up with the three uh, with the three points. Yeah, I agree with you. Gremio is probably one of the teams that we must fear this season, and of course, they're the team playing at home. Home, but it was in their home stadium actually. They were playing in Juventuja Stadium, I think, mm. because of the fans that did something either last season or before they ended up going to Serie B. But anyways, I think one of the reasons for Santos' good performance is the lack of Gremio playing in their home stadium. So maybe we should have used that as an opportunity to score or maybe draw or win the game. But regardless of the result or no points taken by Santos, I'm very happy with how the team performed. It seemed like we were ready for the Brasileiro, unlike we've seen from uh, the Campeonato Paulista when we had that disappointing result against Ituano 3-0. And if we continue to perform like how we played against Gremio, Instead of finishing 13th or 14th, as we predicted, Santos is probably going to end up 7th or 8th. So that's going to really make make us happy. But regardless, uh, in terms of the match, uh, we had our chances. Gremio had their chances. And the goal that they score in the 45th maybe could have been uh, put aside if the defenders... The, did made a better job and Joe Paulo was positioned a little better than where he was staying originally. I think he was too far from the net and that's why uh, Joao Pedro was able to score that low low finesse shot that ended up going into the net and really killed our motivation playing in throughout the second half. Yeah, and I, like you said, I thought Santos were, they were looking good up until that goal and I think they looked good afterwards, especially through uh, Jefferson Soteldo. Um, but, um, Marcus Leonardo had a, had a great first half and, and we, it just seemed like we, we were just lacking that, that killer instinct. And we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, unfortunately the same problem when we talk about Sudamericana, but yeah, they just, they, they just weren't, uh, able to finish some of their chances, but they looked pretty decent. Uh, like you said, the Joe, uh, Joe Pedro, excuse me, uh, goal was a really nice shot, long range, low finesse shot, uh, finesse shot, like you said. Um, uh, and, and unfortunately, Joe Paulo kind of out of the crease of the net and, um, out of position. So not a lot he could do from there. Um, the good news was, uh, if we were watching this in real time, uh, penalty is, uh, we thought was going to sink Santos to a two nil uh, deficit. Uh, Franco Cristaldo wins the penalty after Macias takes him down studs into the foot. Looked pretty painful. Luis Suarez stepped up and missed another penalty. Totally skied it. Um, not really sure what's going on with him. Uh, usually, you know, I mean, we don't have to tell our audience how great he's been um, and what a, what a finishing instinct that that guy has. Anyone who's watched football in the last 10 years knows that, uh, but just can't score pens, I guess. I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, anyways, he skied that. Uh, Soteldo, um, 
obviously showing his frustration towards the end of the game, losing out on a tackle to a guy that looked about double his size and just taking them out afterwards, getting the red. Um, and he hits the showers a little bit early. So we'll be missing him uh, on match week two when we play Gallo. But um, both sides looking, having their chances, looking decent, not looking their best. Uh, but it just goes to show, you know, the, the best teams, uh, even when they don't play well, they still get the win. And that's what Gremio did. Yeah, 100%. And of course, they're the home team. As I repeat, uh, they deserve to get the three points and they did. And if all it needs is for them to score a goal to get those three points and good, that's what they need to do. And even though they had the chance to extend that lead to 2-0, I don't think Santos, even though they had chances, they couldn't come anywhere near to either drawing or getting a three point from this game. For sure. All right. So those were the nine games we talked about. Uh, I think it's time to send it over to our uh, brief interview with Pete from Glorious Botafogo. He's on Twitter. He's on YouTube. Um, and we sat down for him uh, with him to talk about the match. And uh, yeah, you know, we went into all sorts of different areas after that. So we're going to cut to us talking uh, to Pete about the match. And then uh, we will release the extended interview uh, in a few days with Pete talking about, like I said, everything from uh, links to Rojas from Rossing and uh, Hamas Rodriguez from Olympiacos, uh, amongst a bunch of other topics. Um, so stay tuned. Look out for that. But now uh, let's go to Pete from Glorious Botafogo. Botafogo, Botafogo, campeão desde mil. All right, and we are back. And Eric and I are joined by a special guest to go over the Botafogo and Sao Paulo match of uh, match day one. Uh, he is our first repeat guest. Um, hey. And hopefully this is uh, not, uh, or this is the first of many uh, repetitions uh, for you and for other guests, but we've got Pete from Glorious Botafogo back with us uh check out the glorious botafogo youtube channel and twitter uh pete posts uh and makes content all about botafogo um in english so check out that and uh welcome back to the smoking steak podcast pete thank you i appreciate that guys uh it's good to see both of you again and 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 it's really cool to, to talk about the brasileirão with uh non-brazilians that know about it so it's it's really interesting and it shows how the league is growing and how um, also the quality of players that are coming to the league as well. Um, it's, it's been doing way better uh, the recent years. And I think it might be one of the reasons why uh, some of these outside eyes and investors like John Texer um, are looking more for the league. And Botafogo was the first to become the SAF and then Cruzeiro and then Vasco. And now just a bunch of teams are trying to become SAFs. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's um, this, what you guys do here is very beneficial. Um, you guys are sort of pioneers in this thing. So, yeah, I, I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. And Enric and I, uh, you know, we're, we're totally on board with everything going on in Brazil. And we think it's a fantastic league. And, and like you said, anything that gets more eyeballs on this incredible country and league is is uh, is good news and i think uh, uh you know lifts all boats so to speak so for sure um we've got pete on of course to uh talk about the uh first match of um the campeonato brasileiro for botafogo they beat sao paulo two to one pete um kind of want to get your your headspace and your thoughts going into the season and um and going into this match uh, you know, optimistic, pessimistic. I know the Rio State tournament didn't turn out the way you wanted, um, but uh, just want to kind of get your your thoughts on um, uh, Botafogo going into this match. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the, the the match versus São Paulo was the first match that we had. Uh, very intense first ten to fifteen minutes, um, especially from Botafogo, really pressuring. The uh, the São Paulo um, first pass come out of defense, really. As soon as that keeper lets the ball loose, 
uh, Junior Santos and Chiquinho and Carlos Eduardo and, and, and everybody really just an insane amount of pressure. It's like the whole team pushes forward. And for the first 15 minutes of the match, Botafogo really tries to get a goal or two. Um, and that's been the tactic for a while now. And it happened. It just what we wanted to happen happened. We got a goal three minutes in. Um, you know, Gustavo Sawa had the ball. He got fouled. Um, then sent the ball in the box and Chiquinho there like he's supposed to be. You know, classic number nine. Wins the ball in the air, heads it in. It's a goal. And then São Paulo kind of felt um, the moment and they needed a, to kind of give an answer. So about 15, 20 minutes later, um, they got the tie. And then the game just really died right there. The game just flatlined all the way really until the end, uh, apart from a few really good saves from Lucas Pehi, by the way, which is a phenomenal keeper. I'd be very surprised if he's not on the upcoming um, national team call-ups in, in about a year or two, maybe. Um, I feel like he could be the third keeper that, you know, they usually take one that plays in Brazil to the World Cup. Um, I feel like he could be one of those. Um, if he keeps this form up, right? He's got to keep mm -hmm. it up. But he's, I mean, fantastic. I don't think our, our starting goalkeeper is actually coming back and starting right away. I think he's going to have to fight for it. Um, but then anyways, so then at the end of the game, we scored a second goal with Eduardo as a really nice header, like a, a, like a typical number nine header, but he's not a number nine, you know, he's a, he's a box to box mid, uh, center attacking mid sometimes, but no, he had a really great header. We, we won the game there, um, uh, which just sent some Paolo into a deeper down spiral, just crashing and burning even more, um, which we'll talk about uh, their their coach getting sacked uh, later today, um, and then Botafogo tomorrow, man. There's a, we played this match in the Sudamericana Cup, which is like the Europa League of South America, and it's going to be a little bittersweet because the manager of the team that we're going to play is a club icon for Botafogo. <laughs> so, in a in a very recent from he played for the club at the end of 2009 until 2011 2012 i'm i'm sure you guys seen the the clip of the sebastian el loco abreu the, the guy with the long hair from uruguay he 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 takes the penalty kick and he does the the panenka kick which just up in the air just to lob it right in the middle keeper one way ball hits the post goes in the whole stadium explodes because it's a final about the forgo and flamengo and he did that in the middle of a packed Maracanã, and so from that moment on, he just became a club icon. Uh, won a title with Botafogo. I think I think he still is a top scorer at the Newton Sutton Stadium. I don't think anybody has taken that from him yet. Um, but yeah, he's the manager. So he he came on. He actually went on a Botafogo TV today, and because his son just got signed to play for us, so it's this really cool thing that's happening right now with a, a son of an icon playing for you. Now he's he's an under 20, plays his online team, but he plays for U20 and he does really good. He scores goals all the time. He plays for the Uruguay national team. Um, just like his dad, you know, they're, they're both number nines, but his dad was more of a, of the classic number nine, just waiting for the ball target man. And he's more of a false nine um, type of player, but still really good. Um, and we, we are confident. I mean, we come, we haven't lost in eight matches. Again, some of those results were very, um, very iffy, you know, there's some very rocky games. Uh, Luis Castro struggled as a, as a manager to make the right substitutions, to read the game, right. And if it wasn't for one player finding the perfect pass at the perfect time, at the end of the match, you know, we would have lost a couple. We would have been knocked out of the uh, Copa do Brasil. We would have been knocked out if that didn't happen. So it, it we really could have been the other way around. We could have been living a horrible, horrible moment right now. But luckily, we haven't. But we're doing good. Haven't lost in eight matches. We just beat São Paulo, which is a huge team. If you're looking at the, the Brasileirão, you know, every year when you're looking about at least at the top half of the table, I think you'd be crazy not to even mention São Paulo at the top 10. You know, lately they haven't been doing well, but they're they're giants. 
Um, so for Botafogo, another giant to beat another giant and get that out of the way from the very first fixture. That's good. It's a home. We're going to play at home again. Um, the whole section right in front of the TV where they where you get the images from the game, the whole section sold out already. Um, the, the side sections are selling out. It's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a huge party. Um, you can expect the, the typical Botafogo chants that we had for Abreu. We're going to hear them at this match. You can, I can guarantee you that. Um, I hope Luis Castro doesn't mind. We chanting for <laughs> the, the manager of the other team. But uh, it's going to happen, whether he likes it or not. And um, everybody at the Botafogo camp is just really confident uh, of a win tomorrow, for sure. Yeah, and and look, there's so much there, and let's let's take some of those pieces. Let's start with uh, you mentioned Hajari Oseni hitting the road. Uh, Sao Paulo, the news um, just got released. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday the 19th. Um, today, Hajari Oseni, club legend of Sao Paulo, is uh, no longer the manager. Were you guys? Um, and feel free, Enric, why don't you take this first? And, and Pete, love to get your opinion. Did you feel that was coming uh, in this game? I mean, did you see any urgency from Sao Paulo? Did you see this move coming? Because Enric and I, you know, we rated Sao Paulo um, uh, in our predictions episode, uh, kind of mid table, maybe lower mid table. We're not really convinced. They have some great players, but um, we weren't really convinced with kind of their form and just so inconsistent. So um, it makes sense that they may be looking at a manager, but for me, it kind of caught me off guard. So Enric, did you see this coming? No, I definitely didn't. It was a little bit of a surprising result. Even seeing uh, Botafogo score first in the opening four or 10 minutes of the game, it was really surprising to see that goal being scored by Chiquinho Suarez, who I believe has been playing very good for Botafogo lately. And especially with that goal that gave the team the lead, it helped them a lot. And throughout the match, um, I think uh, Sao Paulo came back to the game by scoring with Caleri in the 15th minute, which gave them hope to at least get that draw. But based on what I saw, I don't think Sao Paulo came to this game to win. They were probably going to be happy with one point. And looking at the result, they're going to go home very disappointed. So really surprising, in my opinion, to see that 2-1 result for Botafogo. And Pete, what about you? Did you see, did it seem like in, in the match that, that uh, you know, that Sani had 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 lost the, the trust of the players, you know, was, because, you know, looking back at the match, Sao Paulo had their moments. Like you said, Lucas Berry had to stand on his head at least twice, uh, made some really nice saves. Uh, one was on Caio Palista, but, um, you know, did you, did you see, did it seem like a match that could result uh, in a manager being fired? Well, if you go back a little bit and you look at Sao Paulo results, they lose San Bernardo, they beat Botafogo from Sao Paulo, and then they lose to Agua Santa, which is a, a small team. So that's kind of like, that's a pretty bad loss, right? Um, but then they win uh, the Sud America fixture against Tigre, and then they tie with Ituano, and then they lose to Botafogo. From what I was hearing, um, Seni's situation was already rocky to begin with um mm -hmm. uh, uh, there there was like some issues with the player that was like figuring out if he was gonna sign re-sign for some palo going somewhere else and sandy didn't want to play him or something um i know there's some background story i don't know if it if it, that's the one but i know there's some stuff on there and maybe this was a like a unilateral decision you know I was like mm -hmm. hey if you guys want me to go i'll go whatever uh, I'll stay until you find somebody, or maybe that maybe that's what it was. I don't know, right? Um, because Sani is a club icon. He's the the biggest name in São Paulo's history, I'd say. Um, so would they do something to to burn his image? I don't think so. Um, so I, I my guess is that it was already an idea. They were kind of looking for somebody. They saw that Dorival was available in the market reached out to him he probably got back to them quickly yep Sani did one more match and said all right later a question that i also wanted to ask is about uh lucas perry you did mention how good of a performance he had against sao paulo and last time we talked we mentioned about 
uh, Roberto Fernandez, who is probably the main guy at Botafogo. Do you think this is the time for Lucas Perry to take over? Because he's, he's had a spell at Sao Paulo when he was around 18 years old until 2021, then was loaned to Nauchico, and probably that's where he proved his worth and now playing for Botafogo. Do yeah. you think it's his chance to be one of the best? Yeah. Um, like I said before, man, I I don't think um, Gatito Fernandes comes right back and takes that starting spot because Luis Castro is very big on meritocracy right he's always talking about the best players that do the best in training they are the ones that will start that's been his talk that from the moment he got here and what grounds would he have other than you know the other guy being the starting goalkeeper before this guy came come in and starts doing better than what he's doing so if he's going to keep the meritocracy talk then i think lucas behi uh, Stace as a starting goalkeeper. Yeah, and he looked to, to kind of bring it full circle. He looked great, and um, I'm not sure if if he's planning on uh, getting the start again um, against um, is it C uh, Cesar Vallejo, the Peruvian team that that you guys are playing in mm -hmm. Sudamericana. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, I'm sure you know he he probably won't have his hands uh, as full against the the Peruvians, but um, he looks to be a really special keeper. I know we've kind of been all over. We've touched upon this match. I have so many other questions, so we got to have you back on um, again soon and just kind of check in with you and see how Botafogo are doing from uh, the fan perspective. Uh, but uh, thanks again so much for joining us uh, on this little mini-sode all about Botafogo, uh, piggybacking off their first win uh, in match day one. Uh, but Pete, uh, let's just close on um, letting people know where they can find your stuff, your YouTube channel, your Twitter, and uh, anything you've got coming. Yeah, man. Um, so I am most of the time on Twitter. <laughs> That's that is that is my cave. I retreat back to my cave every day, <laughs> and my cave is Twitter. I live in it. I breathe it. I sleep in it. So that's where I'm at. But I also have a YouTube channel. Um, in which it was kind of uh, stagnant for a little while because uh, on the off air, I was telling you guys how busy I've been. Um, and that's just one of the things that fell behind. I was like, you know, the YouTube's going to suffer, but at least I'll keep the content on Twitter every day. Um, so if you want everyday content from Botafogo, you got to find me on Twitter. Um, and then I I'm pledging once a week to, to put a video on the glorious Botafogo channel because this is the start of the actual season, right? So the season really actually begins now. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take the first videos of the year as, as my preseason videos. And now the season started, so I get I got to get a few videos in. Um, so yeah, Twitter and YouTube. And I got an Instagram too under the same name, Glorious Botafogo. Um, you can see Botafogo spelled out up here. So if you don't know how to spell <laughs> it, it's over here. Um for those that are watching. Um, and yeah, just find me everywhere. Glorious Botafogo. You'll find me. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Follow him and take a look back in our catalog. Um, I believe it's episode 24. Uh, we did so. a, yeah, a, a much longer in-depth uh, deep dive into Botafogo. We talked about history. We talked about where the club was at the time. Um, and we'll definitely have to do that again. In addition to, um, checking in. So Pete, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Henrik, I will see you later this week to record the rest of the pod. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. All right. We're back once again. Big thanks to Pete from Glorious Botafogo. Very always very generous with his time uh, and advice. Uh, so again, go make sure you check out his YouTube and Twitter. Uh, but let's transition now to Copa Libertadores. We had round two action in the group stages uh, going on. Uh, Brazilian teams, for the most part, getting it done. Um, but let's start with Internacional. Uh, they cut it really close. Alamau didn't get it done, like you said, Enric, in uh, in the Brasileirao against Fortaleza. But it does get it done by in the 90th minute 
uh, and gives Inter that 1-0 win over Metropolitanos from Venezuela. Luminense as well, 1-0 win over the strongest from Bolivia. Uh, Nino gets the goal. Uh, Flamengo beating the Chileans uh, 2-0. Uh, a double by Pedro. So, so far so good for Brazil. But Corinthians at home drop the match to Argentino Juniors. Uh, Cabrera, the, the lone goal. Um, Corinthians, frustrating match to watch. I actually watched this one. Um, and it was pretty frustrating for them. They had some chances. They had some players looking lively. Uh, they just couldn't put the ball in the net. Um, and it's an unfortunate loss. I don't think it'll stifle them in their attempt to get through the group, but, uh, just a loss at home that ultimately cost Fernando Lazaro his job. I know I mentioned it earlier that, um, that was going to be his last win against Cruzeiro. And it indeed was. Lazaro is out and Kuka is in, formerly of a bunch of teams, uh, but most notably uh, Atletico Minero, or most recently, I should say. So Lazaro out, Kuka in uh, for Corinthians. Uh, Palmeiras, though, uh, kind of a, a dicey beginning to the game. Cerro Porteño of Paraguay um, get a, a fifth-minute goal. Uh, but again, Palmeiras bounced back. Gustavo Gomez. Uh, again, the scoring center back uh, gets one back and Rafael Navarro uh, getting the game-winning goal there. Uh, so they win 2-1. And then, in my opinion, the most uh, tense and entertaining match of Libertadores, uh, match week two, Atletico Paranaense beating Atletico Monero 2-1. Victor Roque and uh, David Terrans uh, getting the goal. So the, the star's power was out for Atletico uh, as it was for Atletico Monero. Uh, Paulinho, formerly of Leverkusen, who is on fire right now, getting the goal. Um, but Gallo just couldn't get uh, another one. Atletico take all three points in that clash. Really nice match. If you get a chance, go over the highlights. It was very tense um, and uh, and just a lot of quality on the pitch. So uh, after that little run through, Enric, uh, what caught your eye? And uh, what other notes can you add to uh, this lineup of uh, fixtures? Well, overall, I really liked what you mentioned about each of these matches. I thought that uh, Fluminense and Internacional both needed to, of course, they got the three points, but needed to score more goals uh, against sides that many other Brazilian teams would have probably had an easier run against, uh, especially Internacional. That goal scored by Alemão in the 90th or maybe in the other time was too late in my opinion as they could have easily drawn this match while playing at home so i don't know what's been happening with inter lately they don't seem too convincing uh either in brasileira or copa libertadores but we'll have to wait and see how mano menezes team is going to continue and perform within the next few weeks and the same goes for fluminense against the strongest one goal scored by nino in the 40th minute and then nothing else happened throughout the second half so again the three points were one, but uh, both teams needed to have a better performance as Flamengo did against Nublense with Pedro scoring two in the first half. And although there were no goals in the second, still Flamengo did way better than what they originally did against Aucas, uh, the Venezuelan team in the first round. And the three points uh, that they took were very crucial for their group as just explains how Flamengo performs whenever they're playing in the Maracanã Stadium. Other than that, uh, Corinthians losing to Argentinos Juniors, I think was the shocking match of the, of the week. Um, I thought the Corinthians would at least get a draw in this match because they were playing in Neokimica Arena and Argentinos Juniors are a team that they're not bad, but they're not really performing in their Argentinian league either. And looking at the chances that the Corinthians team created, especially in the second half, they were just unable to get an equalizer. Roger Getz missed so many chances. One of them went right of the goalkeeper's post, maybe inches away. Same thing happened on the left side minutes later. And then he goes for a weird bicycle kick to equalize that, in my opinion, I don't really understand why players want to play the heroic uh, when it comes to games like these when fans are desperate to get a point and then you're trying to do the impossible to make all that happen why not just go for an easy run and just score the goal like a normal human being you don't have to be spectacular about it so other than 
that it's going to be difficult for Corinthians to keep up what they need to do and maybe perform better in the upcoming Copa Libertadores matches. And even in the, I think there were eight or nine minutes at a time, they had the chance to score the equalizer. And I forgot who the player was, but he missed a really open net shot that maybe he could have hit some of the Argentinos juniors players, but still the shot needed to be on target. And if it was on target, I think that they would have been that that would have been a goal for Corinthians to at least get a draw. Palmeiras on the other side uh concedes a goal in the opening five minutes and I'm not sure why their coach Abel Ferreira uh, hasn't brought their his main lineup when it comes to a match like this. Uh, of course, Roni has been injured and is probably going to continue to be like that throughout the next few weeks. But it just explains to you how bad Palmeiras can be without their attacking force because Roni was one of their main goal scorers. And without him, it seems like Palmeiras is suffering. They need the last 20 or 30 minutes uh, to find a winner against a Paraguayan side. And a 2-1 result is similar to what happened in the first week of Brasileiro, as we mentioned a couple uh, minutes earlier. 2-1, uh, they scored two, concede one, and not really convincing from a Palmeiras team that you would imagine would win Copa Libertadores. Uh, they lost the first match against Bolivar away, which was reasonable because the coach was saving all his... Um, all his players for the match against Agua Santa to win the Campeonato Paulista, but still Palmeiras, in my opinion, needed to do a better job in this match. And the same thing goes for Atletico Mineiro. They didn't convince in their opener in the Brasileiro, and the same goes against Atletico Paranaense, losing 2-1 to against the home team. Of course, they were playing away from home, but Vitor Roque, such a huge player, and him and Enrique are probably going to be the two main number nines. And if for Brazil, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Brazil national team will play in a 4-4-2 uh, formation in the future because we have two huge stars that could potentially bring so many goals for and trophies, hopefully, for a Brazilian national team in the future. But overall, again, Atletico Mineiro, not too convincing. A loss um, against Atletico Paranaense means that they end up with Copa Libertadores two weeks with zero points, last in the table. And I don't know how they're going to come back and perform after this round because they need to do the impossible, if I can say, if they need to, if they want to proceed to the next uh, knockout stages of this tournament. All right. Yeah, so great action in Libertadores. And the same could be said for um, for Copa Sudamericana where Brazilian teams, uh, they weren't perfect, but again, most for the most part, getting at least a point. Um, Red Bull Bragancino beating up on Bolivian side Oriente Petrolero, uh, five goals, including another one from uh, Eduardo Sasha. Uh, very nice result for them there. Bolivians, maybe not the strongest competition. Sao Paulo beating up on um, some, uh, well, not beating up, uh, the better team, but uh, two late goals. They had to wait to the 86th minute to beat Academia uh, from Venezuela. Um, Defensa y Justicia uh, beat America Monero 2-1. to one. Um, And Defensa, great, great club. Um, Enric, I think you mentioned this uh, last week, but they are, you know, winners of, um, of Copa Sudamericana before. So uh, they have some pedigree in this competition. Um, and a beautiful badge as well. Uh, San Lorenzo um, getting beat in the last, last minute. I mean, you can't cut it any more close than this by Fortaleza. Two to nil, two late goals from Fortaleza give uh, give the Brazilians the lead, or excuse me, the win. Um, uh, Santos uh, hosted Audax Italiano last night. Um the Chileans escape with a draw, nil-nil, no goal scored. Uh, pretty frustrating performance uh, from the perspective of a Santos fan. Um, but the big highlight, Neymar was in the stadium. Uh, he was um, waving. He was doing interviews. He was seeing uh, everyone. Um, he was in the box uh, accompanied by Falcao, the legendary futsal player, um, as well as Lima from the 
uh, famous uh, 60s teams that won uh, pretty much everything there was to win back in those days. Uh, and, and of course, played alongside Cuccino and Pelé and 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 all the legends uh, of uh, of those 60s Santos teams. So really cool to see Neymar as well, causing some waves in Brazil. Interview with um, uh, one of the journalists uh, after the match said he would be back soon. Um, and some people are inter- interpreting that as he's going to be back in the Brasileiro soon. Uh, and uh, a lot of people, including us, uh, are are hoping uh, that he'll be back at Santos soon, um, whether that's uh, in partial ownership of the club or back as a player or possibly both. Um, so um, that was kind of the highlight of the game. Really nice moment here. You'll hear um, uh, hopefully uh, later in our extended interview with Pete, him talking about um, this situation. Botafogo beating Cesar Vallejo of Peru uh, 4-0. Very nice, um, very nice uh, victory there. Uh, But the most beautiful thing was um, Botafogo, uh, former player, um, some would say legend, Loco Abreu, um, uh, scored a bunch of goals for them, but he is back. He manages Cesar Vallejo. Um, and his son, 19-year-old son, just signed for uh, Botafogo Youth Squad. They had a very nice moment where um, uh, uh, the little Abreu, um, whose name escapes me, uh, gave his father a, a nice jersey before the match. So uh, very, very nice poetic moment. Um, and then lastly, Universitario of Peru, uh, just get away with one at the last minute. Uh, a beautiful stadium they have, but two goals in the 87th and the 90th mean they tie with Goyas um, and uh, they split the points. So, Enric, again, so much there. Feel free to sink your teeth into uh, however much and however little you want. Well, I don't have much to add other than what you mentioned, Peter. Uh, I was really happy to see Rabel Bragancino and Botafogo both win comfortably against their opponents while playing at home so that was cool to see Sao Paulo seemed to suffer throughout the game uh 2-0 but as you said the last two goals scored in the very last five minutes of the match and that could have been one of the reasons why Rogerio Senni got sacked and the, those are the results that team need to consider before they reach the stage as players need to score before they need to in my opinion because if you go 45, 50 minutes without scoring, then fans are going to be frustrated. And that's what we saw from the Sao Paulo board. Defensa and Justicia won against America. And I saw that coming. I thought that the Argentinian team would be better against a Brazilian one that has been suffering a little bit lately. Of course, they lost that opener against Fluminense. And then the same goes here when they play away from home against Defensa. Uh, Fortaleza win was a very surprising result as well. Two goals scored in the 90-plus minutes and against the San Lorenzo team that is doing good this season in the Argentinian league. So really happy to see Fortaleza get the three points there. Santos, uh, also a game that I would have liked to see them win, uh, although a 0-0 draw doesn't really hurt us. Still, we needed to get the three points because not only we were playing home, but we got the three points when we played in Bolivia. And not to do that here is just frustrating. And hopefully this Copa Sudamericana doesn't reach up that spot where we're fighting until the very last round and hope for the other teams in the group to fail for us to proceed to the next stage. And Goyas also disappointed with a 2-2 result that where they were leading 2-0 away from home. And then somehow Universitario comes back into this game, draws 2-2 and gets a point, which doesn't probably hurt Goyas too much, but they would have been happy if they won this match. Yeah, definitely. And and just a quick note there, you mentioned, and, and thank you for mentioning, um, uh, uh, Hajir Arseni, uh going out. I think his fate was sealed before this match, and they were just wanting to uh, to not rock the boat uh, before they brought in the manager that they would bring in, uh, who would be um, Dorival Jr. Um, so agreement linked with him. Um, uh, Seni goes off on a victory after that victory over Academia, um, and uh, Dorival Jr. Um, is uh, is the one who uh who replaces him 
All right, so that is it for the Sudamericana fixtures. Uh, one last state league ready to go. Um, Enric, tell us about Sports Hesife. Yep, Pernambucano final first leg took place between Retro and Sport Recife. Sport Recife won two to one. And that was really comfortable to see from them because they're going to lead up uh, next week, which happens to be the next two or three days as we record this. And they will play the second leg home. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Sport Recife win 3-0, 4-0 into this match and then win, lift the trophy. And I believe this is one of the last state leagues that, that was left uh, after all the main ones had already finished last week. But yeah, that's it about this episode and how about all the matches that already played last week. Yeah, we talked about the matches that are have already been played, but let's look ahead before we uh, hit the end button on the Zoom meeting. Uh, the second match week, um, some big matches um, and some matches that I think we're really going to see how these teams are going to establish themselves this season. So we've got Fluminense Atletico Paranaense, Sao Paulo at America Monero, Cuiabá versus Red Bull Bragantino, Cruzeiro versus Gremio, Internacional versus Flamengo, Vasco versus Palmeiras, Santos versus Atletico Monero, Coritiba versus Fortaleza, Goiás versus Corinthians, and Bahia versus Botafogo. So for me, I mean, there are some standout matches. Fluminense and Atletico Paranaense, of course, two teams that I think are going to be up there. Uh, Fluminense, of course, we have pretty high up the table. Vasco and Palmeiras. Vasco are at home. They can, um, they can, you know, lay down a gauntlet uh, and and really show they have something to 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 prove against the champions um, uh, of of Brazil right now. And then, of course, you've got one and two from last year, or excuse me, uh, not one and two from last year, but. Uh, the two sparring for the second place last year, Internacional and Flamengo facing off Inter um, in much worse form right now. Flamengo uh, getting that new manager bounce with Sampaioli. So those are the matches on my radar. Enric, I don't know if you want to comment on those matches or anyone else, uh, but feel free to do so at this time. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think I've told you many times now that every game that we see, we watch them as if two big teams are playing against each other and that's what it seems like. But if I had to choose, other than Santos Atletico Mineiro, which is a big match, uh, another important game I would have to say is going to be Internacional against Flamengo, two sides that potentially can win it all this season. But we'll have to wait and see how these two teams proceed in the next few weeks. And it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, we're going to start with Fluminense against Atletico Paranaense. As you mentioned, this is also a big match, but I think the biggest one has to be the one that includes the Rio de Janeiro team against the Gaúcho one. Nice. I love it. All right. So plenty to look forward to, plenty to look back on. Uh, another great episode of the Smoking Snake. Um, again, look for that uh, extended interview with Pete from Botafogo, Glorious Botafogo. And until then, we will be back next week with more exciting action from Brazil. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.